Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief at Modern Retail, and this week I'm joined with Sarah Rasmussen, the Executive Vice President at Lands, and, and I'm really excited to talk about just sort of the evolution that she's experienced at a pretty legacy apparel company, and sort of, especially over the last year, there have been so many curveballs thrown in the, the retail space, and so I want to sort of dive into everything that she's noticed and experienced. But hey, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those, um, I mean, I think people probably do know what Land's End is, but if you want to just give sort of an overview of A, what your role is, you re- you've you just announced uh, in the last few weeks that you're now the executive vice president. So what does that entail and how does that ladder down to the to the overall Land's End company? Sure. Um, you know, full title is is EVP chief customer officer. And I did retain, I did retain the chief customer title. Um, what that used to mean for me was I ran our e-commerce division, um, which in you know then meant I ran our U.S. direct P&L business, customer care under that, um, our European e-commerce business, uh, analytics. I think I think that's you know, and in that <laughs> is, is also oh sorry, product <laughs> management and CX. Okay. So wow. um, yeah, so it, it it you know a big remit, um, and as we realigned, over, it was announced last week with um, Jim Gooch moving into this retaining CFO, uh, but moving into the president role. The business units now move under him. So I no longer have um, the U.S. direct P and L under my remit. However, um, in that change, I picked up uh, our marketing organization and our IT organization. So then the question is, are you still chief customer officer? I still run customer care. I still run analytics. Uh, still, so, and, and, and I'm, you know, still managing some parts of e-commerce and a data business. So is chief customer still, chief customer officer still the appropriate title versus CTO or CDO? And what it came down to is, um, I still manage, uh, the, every aspect of the customer's experience. Now it's just expanded to, I'll say, the full funnel of you know, her getting a catalog or getting a, a marketing touch from us all the way through her checkout experience. And um, with you know 90 plus percent of our business being transacted online, how is that not a technology function as well? Absolutely. So that's wow. the, the, our definition, the land's end <laughs> definition of chief customer officer. Wow, it seems that like your role, like I guess, zooms in to like the very technical standpoints, and now it zooms out to that very top of funnel sort of marketing. It seems like you're you've at least have touched and now touch all sort of points of that of of that those parts of the company. That seems is that is that sort of difficult to approach just from from a perspective standpoint. Um, yeah, it's um. So far, I'm, I'm a week and a half in, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was even just as I was grabbing lunch, I'm like, okay, what job am I doing? You know, yesterday I was the tech person. Today I'm the marketing person, um, and, and so it's it's been you know, a hour by hour, changing hats, changing perspectives, um, going from you know, a conversation about you know, catalog distribution and holiday to. A very serious conversation about Wi-Fi support in our buildings. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's it's um, it's a coat of many colors. I can imagine. So can you just give me a brief overview of Lands End e-commerce history? Because uh, Lands End is known f- uh, 
for its catalogs. I grew up, you know, in the 90s getting the catalogs. My family would circle things. I remember it very well. And so how has the company sort of evolved the e-commerce program? And then let's go into, I imagine that a lot of that has to do with the last year when stores closed and I'm sure wholesale accounts went kaput. So just walk me through all of this. Yeah. Um, so we go way back as a, as a digital company. Uh, mm-hmm. We were one of the first, you know, truth. Um, we were one of the first retailers to, to register our online domain. And we actually, you know, truth within weeks of Amazon, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so, you know, in 1994 and, and both of us launched in July of 1995, you know, they, the you know, interesting truth in, in that is, you know, we could celebrate Prime Day also <laughs> in July, um, as, as Amazon has traditionally had it in, in that space. Um, so, you know, Catalog, and I'll say catalogers in general, had a leg up in, in, in pivoting to e-commerce because of the phone entry system, which is largely, you know, a rep entering an order on a, on a PC. Um, you know, that, that infrastructure, when you think about it, a, a website is essentially a scan on an order entry system. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were able to be there first. Our whole, uh, website is actually the brainchild of not of our marketing division or a CEO. It was actually our IT team, you know, years and years ago that hacked something together. Um, you know, basically skinned our catalog and put it on, on a website. So um, that's where we were. Um, when I joined the company originally in 2006, Land's End was a, a leader bleeder in the digital space. I mean, that was, that was the place to be. Um, and, you know, had remarkable growth, remarkable pivot from our phone channel to the digital channel during those years as a customer pivoted really, really quickly. Also became a way for us to, to meet new customers. It was something that we learned also very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think Jerome said this in a, in a call last week, in, a, in an interview last week. Then what happened, I'd say, in the late aughts, the late, oh, you know, kind of that I'll say with everything except for the last four years, a, a, a digital <laughs> yeah. property that was just largely underinvested in. Yeah. And when you don't invest in digital, I mean, digital just moves too quickly. And if you are not going to invest in your digital channel and you're not going to invest in your tech stack or your MarTech stack, you fall down, you slip ahead, you know, you, you fall behind. And, um, you know, somebody who's always been very attached to the brand, even when I, when I had left the company in my first round, it, you know, it was because you just see the potential. It's a wonderful customer. It's a terrific conversion engine. And to just see this channel not get the love it needs um, was sad to see. Jerome comes in and declares that digital is one of our strategic pillars. And um, we started talking. I came back. That's the start of my part two here. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I I couldn't have come back if, if the line hadn't been drawn on the sand that we will invest in digital. We will grow this channel. We will optimize it. I wrote a story. This was before, I believe this was, no, maybe this was over the summer. It doesn't matter when it was, but it was about uh, JCPenney specifically. And JCPenney is also one of the, the earliest entrants. Oh, yeah. To, First uh, billion dollar website. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I think it's a really fascinating history for retailers. And Land's End is very different from JCPenney in many counts. But I feel like a lot of different older companies were early to it, had a really robust program, and then something went wrong or something got neglected. And with JCPenney, I remember in my research, it was essentially that things were too siloed and they didn't quite figure 
figure out how to marry, you know, what the store experience would be, what the merchandising experience would be, and what the online. Do you think that that is similar for other retailers? Is that what you've experienced at Land's End? Or sort of where, like, in that late aughts period when things, it seems like that that is a common story for a lot of retailers. Right, just losing sight of, of what the website does for us. And I, I think, um, you know, when you look at, I'll say, the Pennies and the Sears, right? Huge catalogs. Again, had the same benefit yep, that exactly. that that um, you know Macy's didn't have, which is we can build this website really fast. Um, and and um, you know, but then is it you know no? The website needs to be a brand experience, and it needs to be you know, it's it's not a top of funnel thing. It's it's it is a highly transactional channel. Um, you know, the place to build your brand story is in your catalogs or in your stores or now in social media. Um, but you know, when the customer gets to a website, they want a clean, neat, easy to shop experience, just like they do when they walk into the store. Um, that is inspiration. That's driving conversion. That's driving somebody who wants to come back um, because they had such an easy experience the first time around. And so walk me through when you pledged to sort of, you know, reinvest in digital. This was four years ago. Sort of what was what were the stepping stones that you got there? And so where, where were the channels that you were really investing in? Was it all, you know, making sure, you know, SKUs were online, that the UI of the website was was great that you had a you know different omnichannel programs and types of fulfillment what what were you focusing on um you know, walking in the door it was it was pretty easy cuz it was I'm sorry nothing was easy but <laughs> <laughs> relatively easy um because the low hanging fruit was so apparent you know mm-hmm. i had never not been in digital i had never not continued to watch lands end and i knew from part 1 to my my time my tenure part 1 part part 2 the things that had not changed or not been touched and it was so easy to to jump in on that. Search functionality is the easiest to speak about because it manages so much manners so much on the site, right? Just mm-hmm. general findability um, when the customer's on your site, but also externally. Um, you know, a million years ago, Land's End was one of the leaders in SEO, uh, you know, making sure we were, it, because we had sort of rolled the catalog onto the site um, in a catalog, when you have a picture of a swimsuit, you don't necessarily need to say swimsuit. Well, in a website, you do. So, you know, optimizing product titles, that was something that had been a big focus before, had fallen away. Bringing that back, um, aligning a taxonomy that was in line with uh, consumer speak, in line with uh, how the Googles and the Amazons of the world were structuring their data. Uh, you know, that allowed our external program to grow leaps and bounds. And then on the internal search side, uh you know, we needed to move from a just a basic. I mean, it was still on a basic keyword match, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, we needed to move off of that. So we went to an AI based engine, and and you know, once you can start interpreting clickstream in there, figure out how to structure that data a bit more. Massive improvement. So let's talk about the last year because I feel like that was working on improving the e commerce experience helped you prepare for for all of the craziness that happened when the coronavirus hit. What did you experience in terms of what you had to focus on? Uh, what changed and what like what like just walk me through sort of the overall lands end response once, you know, stores shut down and shopping patterns mm-hmm. shifted dramatically. We're lucky in in the fact that we are primarily digital. So, mm-hmm. it, yes, so sad to shut down our 31 stores and and it, but at the at the end of the day, keeping our warehouse open and keeping this that staff safe and healthy and able to return to work that's job one uh, so you know as we pivoted it was all about you know this 
operations team, how can we can we keep them moving? Um, on the website perspective and, and how we operated uh, was not unlike how we operate during every single holiday peak season of our life. You know, during peak, there is a core team that at any point in time is focused on keeping the lights on the website. And we had to operate lean. Um, we did have, you know, as, pub- as was disclosed, a, a couple rounds of, of furloughs just to, to keep us going. Um, but how we operated was it's, it's about keeping the lights on. Um, it's about giving the customer a great experience. It's about getting um, keeping our staff safe and healthy. What was the marketing uh, like? How did you how did marketing sort of change? Did you focus more on, you know, did you know, social players where did you, you know, take your foot off the gas because of what was going on? Sort of how, walk me through that. Yeah, what's great about Land's End is we never had to pivot uh, as our message. Um, we went with the the slogan of let's get comfy very coincidentally January of last year. Wow. <laughs> very on trend. <laughs> However, it wasn't a they didn't represent a pivot in our product assortment, right? Mm-hmm. Elastic waist pants have been in our assortment for a long time. And as I've joked before, you know, it could not be a better time to be in the elastic waist pant business. Mm-hmm. And um, it, you know, to never have to take our eyes off of who our customer was or the products we offer her. Now with this slogan of let's get comfy over things, um, it was kind of a wait and watch. And and so what we saw, not unlike every other retailer has reported, is, you know, that first month of, you know, just like frozen, but then what people started buying and what they started buying right away was kids because kids keep growing and sleep. Mm hmm. And, you know, this just and, and home buying stuff for home because we had to stare at our beds. every single. So you, you saw these trends start to emerge. And, and it, it was just great that Let's Get Comfy could not have been a better, easier message for us to, to spread to our customers. Then as summer started to hit, um, you know, there was no spring break. So swim being a very large part of our business, you know, that's something we were, you know, cross fingers, wait and see. Um but as people wanted to be outside, they wanted swimsuits. And so all of a sudden it was a swim season that, yes, came about a month later, six month to six weeks later than it normally would have after, you know, 30 plus years mm-hmm. of being in the swim business. But it, it came on strong. So in a nutshell, incredible luck or correlation, causation, whatever you want to say it. But we, we had the right product at the right time. Did you find specifically with the swim stuff or any of it, was it? Was the volume more or was it just around the same of what you would have expected during a normal a normal year? Uh, as we, we had an incredible swim year. Wow. We had a very that's, strong swim year. That's amazing. Given that you were positioned in the you know the right place at the right time with Let's Get Comfy, you had the swimwear. Have you Has product development been at all altered or changed in terms of how, how you expect people to, to change their patterns, you know, now or in the next, you know, the months to come? Yeah, I mean, it... it, it as, as everyone has reported, obviously, I mean, an obvious one is is the uh, dress shirt, dress pant business, the, the men's uniform, let's call it that. And, um, you know, as, as you know, the questions of what is remote work or what is return to office, and then even when there is return to office, what is the new uniform? Um, it, we're watching that very closely. Uh, you know, the obvious signs are it's a trend towards comfort and uh, really great information we got from a McKinsey study was when things like this happen, um, people 
the, the trends that last are the things that last are the things people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like having our children at home. We want them to go to school. They will go back to school. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I love my son, but I need to go back to school. <laughs> um, but what do people enjoy? You know, I'm here in the office today and I'm wearing, you know, elastic waist pants and a Land's End fleece. Um, so, you know, will that continue? I, I enjoy, I enjoy working like this. So um, there's going to be some pivot towards that. I will say if for some reason uh, you know, we have an incredibly talented data science team that that listens for signals very, very closely. And um, you know, the day that that sweatpants business, you know, starts to twist, shift towards you know sweatpants to dress pants, mm-hmm. we'll be ready and we will you know share that with our our teams. Did you guys experience what was like the supply chain sort of shakeup in terms of that? Because I know a lot of apparel, you know, there, there was a big blockage and it caused some delays, some not. So what happened with you guys overall? Yeah, so we, we're really working on platforming our fabrics. So, it, it, you know, again, with with the comfy category, right, we're able to platform fabrics such as as knits. Um as, as a quick example, one of the things that I think gets overlooked in the marketplace, in the broader, I'd say in the press, is, is that this is a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the factory closures happened around the world. It's, you know, everybody needs to keep their citizens safe and happy um, and alive. And, you know, so we were all impacted by the fact that this is a global pandemic. Now you see that, you know, shipping is, you know, containers are, you know, backlogged. There is a yeah. Suez Canal thing going on this morning, <laughs> right? Um, you know, so that's going to continue. And, and I think there was an article in the journal a couple weeks ago that this will continue. You know, all of our supply chain will be disrupted through the, throughout the end of the year, minimally. Wow. And so what are you doing? How are you, in terms of your position as, you know, in charge of marketing, is this all about sort of communications or is this about sort of planning, you know, when you do certain promotions? When, how are you dealing with all of these unknowns and blockages? Yeah, it, it does change our calendar, right? And, it, and you know, the ca- the customer hasn't changed her expectations of if she wants a swimsuit in time for Memorial Day and a she's not so excited about like, well, it's on a container and <laughs> it'll, it'll get here, um, you know, again, a retail problem, not a Land's End problem. Um, yeah. So the customer doesn't follow our pain. <laughs> um, so we do have to to alternate, you know, alter our, our marketing plans. And when we shift some focuses and, uh, you know, roll with the fact that, you know, we, we can't satisfy the customer exactly as we would like to. Um, but that's it's the way this year is rolling. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's just like, the the mantra that I'm hearing from everyone is like, you know, we're doing our best, but we'll figure it out. Um, I wanted to talk a little about more on the e-commerce side, because uh, you guys are on Amazon and you also, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you recently launched your own marketplace. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, so like, A, like with, you know, all of the crazy demand stuff going on over the last summer, how did like your Amazon strategy fit into that? Did you, did you, you know, put, was it just sort of the same as it ever was or did you, more people were buying on Amazon? Did you, you know, do, do anything special with that in that regard? Sort of how, how did that go? Yeah. I mean, our, our plan with Amazon didn't really change. It's, you know, we're treating it as a, as another selling channel. It's a terrific way to meet new customers. Uh, Amazon had their own, pivots for a while, you know, yeah. early on, you know, only giving priority to toilet paper and necessities. Um, so, you know, as, as they evolved and, and kind of figured out the game, 
Um, obviously, they had a, a terrific year, and and as they continue to gain adoption with more and more customers and frequency, and it's it's where she's going first. It's like the number one product search engine now, the number one clothing apparel retailer. So it it behooves us to be where the customer is. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Please stay with us. Talk to me about the marketplace. How did you guys decide to launch that? I feel like there are a few uh, retailers, uh, sort of uh, like in your space, that have that have done this. So I'm I'm fascinated by sort of how you're approaching it and what the results have been thus far. Yeah, what what's different about us? Um, is as we thought about over the last year, and and if we have an incredibly strong customer base, we have a really wonderful traffic, and accompanied with that really, really strong conversion. And, but we have a small product catalog, we, you know, our, because the way we have done business, if, you know, basically what you see in a catalog is on, is on the website. Um, and it's just, we have this unlimited white space. Why not take the opportunity to, to expand it? Talked to lots of customers and our customers told us what she was interested in. It would be interested in buying from us. So things like national brand footwear, um, our home catalog is is very small, but you know the home business is is enormous, right? And cuts across everything from luggage to Christmas lights, um, and that we could just expand and, and take advantage of a really great website. It's been nice to see it grow, and as we add partners, it, we get asked, well, what's you know why you? Why should I be on Lands End versus Amazon or? And, and when we talk about, for me, it's, it's the pay-to-play equation. Mm-hmm. We have, this is an example, I have 10 flip-flops on the site, and, and, and Land's End you know, has developed 10 flip-flops. I have an enormous swim business. Um, why can't I have 40 flip-flops? And, and, and for a, a company, I'm going to say Reef, who is working with us, you know, Reef, you know, at, on an Amazon or a Walmart where there are 60,000 flip-flops, mm-hmm. it, they they get this natural exposure, natural organic exposure, because we just have that limited catalog. Uh, for uh, I'm going to say luggage, a category we're not in at all. Anybody who wants to work with you, you show up. You're there. <laughs> you, yeah. you are the luggage provider, and we see from our search engine, our internal search engine, that these are things that people look for on our site. So why not show up? Are you viewing this as a customer retraining? Are you telling your customers, hey, we have these other things now too? Or is this, and that, and this leads into my next question, which is, do you view this as a, like a complementary business or what's your overall vision? Do you see this as becoming bigger and bigger over time until you become much more of a sort of full apparel marketplace destination. Sure. The, the, the white space is the obvious, and that's that's the low-hanging fruit, where we yeah. have, I'm going to say, no decorative pillows. We now have 20 decorative pillows, right? So that, that's the easy place. I think the interesting thing will be um, where we start to get into categories that, let's just say, may be viewed as cannibalism mm-hmm. or cannibalistic. So we're you know not doing this right now, but could it get to the point where we say, yes, we're going to open up to other outerwear brands. Why not? You know, I, I, I have no doubt from, you know, I remember this from my, my, you know, a previous role I had at a previous company, but also at Amazon, I'm sure there was lots of hand wringing in the early days of we, we can't, we can't compete against ourselves. Yeah. Maybe you can. And so, uh, how are you, like, how are you seeking out who you're working with? Is it just, you know, are they merchants, you know, are they direct co- companies? And I'm assuming it, is it all, it's all dropship, correct? 
That's the current, yes, that's the model we're following is a dropship model. Well, Kale, there is a, <laughs> um, there is a, you know, we've set up a vanity URL, landsend.com slash marketplace. We've put a spot in our, um, in our footer. Uh, so we are now actively, you know, we're saying we're out of beta. We, you know, we, we ran a beta. We like the results. Uh, we are now going full bore with this program. So, um, you know, because that's some feedback we've, we've gotten from, from the vendor community of, how do I know this isn't just something Land's End is trying because they are, I don't know, pandemic bored. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like sourdough baking, but like if you're right, a retailer. Yes, yeah, no, we're going to do this now. Yeah, yes, no, it, it's not our sourdough bread. Um, this is this is something that we are uh, committed to and, um, you know, look forward to growing. And, and we are we have opened the door to um, meeting new partners. I will say that there is a little bit of a, a we are putting a, I'll say that that comfy thread over comfy arch over everything. Um, as of today, I think we would have a very hard time selling, uh, I'm going to say juniors prom dresses or stiletto heels. Mm-hmm. Not, not something we see our customer going for, but that's today. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> stilettos in the future. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, yes. <laughs> um, I want to switch gears a little bit because uh, we wrote about this, I want to say, last week or something like that. And it's something that from time to time picks back up, specifically on the digitally native side of things. And that it's that, you know, direct mail is back into vogue. And so you're hearing, you're seeing a lot of like uh, brands that are launching catalogs and trying to reach customers specifically because maybe they're trying to avoid Facebook funnels and things like that. So mm-hmm. just like with Land's End being a, a catalog, uh, you know, DNA, yeah. Yeah, pioneer. What is the overall strategy? Do you, what are your thoughts on sort of the fact that there are now a lot of brands that are sort of trying a similar play? You know, welcome back to what we've known forever, what we've never <laughs> walked away from, right? So, uh, you know, what I will say is we've been doing it for a long time and we've never walked away from it. Um, so we have, you know, as our benefit is this, this years and years and years of history about our customers and, and, you know, because it's primarily a, you know, non-cash transaction, you know, we know these people. Um, so, you know, those people, you know, the, the, the players, the new players are, are figuring that out. And I, I will say that, you know, catalog is, is still one of our most successful marketing tools. Mm. Um, they are an advertising vehicle for us, a customer, you know, they get passed along or left behind on the counter, you know, the countertop and, and it's, um, it's it's highly tactical. It's high touch. Uh, you know, the benefit over this last year is the male person shows up and we're like, oh, it's a person, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're bringing me something. Right. So, you know, I think we have sort of a renewed attachment to our mail. And, um, you know, it's it's a great way to engage our customers and and, um, you know, get a little thought piece, a little inspiration piece. But, you know, it is a also a promotional vehicle. And, um, you know, we know when we get catalogs in home, that's, that's when our, our business will be busy, is busy. What's the overall or general demographic of, of your catalog consumer? I've, is, is it mostly older, you know, older demographics? Or do you find that it sort of spans all groups? Yeah. So I mean, if you are a known catalog customer, like we are physically mailing catalogs to you, you're on our file. Um, you are in the, I'd say, boomer range. Um, you know, no kids at home, not, not, I mean, I mean, I will, I'm speaking in generalities here. She, she is primarily female. She is primarily married, primarily college educated. Um, and, and the kids aren't at home. Um, 
So, you know, even our kids' business, that's grandma. So we kind of have that. Now, as we acquire new customers, um, you know, we don't acquire new customers in the days of, you know, renting lists like crazy and sending massive, you know, catalogs. Like, those days are done. So the way we meet most customers these days is, is primarily through search. Um, and if she's Googling slimming tankini as an example, and that person is younger and, you know, does she, and she averages and say in the, in the Gen X, I, I relate to this lady a lot. Um, <laughs> she's, you know, a, a mobile first user. She expects self-service to be entirely online. Um, you know, she, she has digital first expectations where, um, our catalog customer will skew more towards phone and, and uses email a lot more than our new lady. So, um, yeah, that's, that's our, our lady in a nutshell, our customer in a nutshell, our new customer skews a little bit more mail, but again, that's just how the, the, I'll say the acquisition channel of search just by nature works that way. All right. We're, we're almost running out of time, but I wanted to get into this because, uh, cause I've, I wanted to talk about it wholesale. Uh, now that things are opening back up, what is the sort of, is there a renewed strategy with how you're approaching these wholesale partners? I read, I think, like that came out this week, that Kohl's is a big, you know, a big partner for you guys. And so talk mm-hmm. to me sort of how you're approaching this specifically with stores reopening. And, you know, hopefully, you know, major retailers are, are becoming, you know, are seeing growth once again. How do you how do you view, you view this? Um, I view our relationship with Kohl's as special because one, I've actually worked at both companies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, can, I can say for a fact that there is a really tight synergy between at the customer base level for sure. And when I think about the Kohl's footprint across the U.S. versus what we could manage to open at a fast rate, um, I know that our customer is out there and, and Kohl's is a really great footprint for us to be in. So we're expanding from 150 stores to 300 stores this year. Um, and, you know, continue, they continue to be great partners to us and, and vice versa. And, um, you know, that's a wait and watch. As far as other partners are concerned, um, one, we're watching international closely to see what happens there. And on the domestic side, I'm fascinated with what's happening with grocery. You know, I don't know if this is a land's end perfect fit or not, but I, you know, I love how Kroger has just said we're in, like, what, what, you know, what can we do? And, and I'm loving seeing how that culture is adapting so quickly, grocery in general. Um, but I, I look at a few of these companies I'm like, okay, you're, 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 you've embraced it. Go for it. All right, Sarah, this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Kale. Anytime. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.